Can I help you? What do you want? Welcome back to another episode of Schooled. I'm Liv. And I'm Mel. And we are continuing our mini-series into voting and the whole democratic process as educators. Um, And I keep saying whole democratic process when we're really not going to go into that because that is an entire civics course. However, um, just some things that we can highlight about the voting process from the lens of educators. So... Before we get into today's topic, Mel, I'm going to have you share what is on the honor roll this week. All right. So for our honor roll this week, we have two honor roll. Are we calling them mentions or people? One's a person and I guess one is people. Well, we have two people on the honor roll, although one is more than two. But (laughs) our first first, um, honor roll honoree is... Everyone who has early voted so far in mail ballots or gone to go early voting, like, shout out to you. You a real one. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that's great. I think it's, it's also been like a lot of folks early voting this year, like more than in the last election. So yeah, I heard that it. like the number of people early voting are... Uh, crashing or thrashing records from 2016 and um, unfortunately of course we still hear about the long lines in places where voter suppression is very real however shout out to all of those who are still standing in line still making sure that their vote is heard and you know what's interesting is like we don't have to disenfranchise voters because like there are ways to make voting accessible, just people choose not to. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, like, I went and did early voting here in the state of Virginia, um, and I voted, like, my precinct, I guess you can call it. Is it called a precinct? District? I don't know. Where I vote um, has drive through voting. Oh, that's so convenient. Yeah, so, like, you literally just drive up your car, give your ID, they make sure it all checks out, and then they hand you the ballot, and then you give them the ballot back, and they do the little skinny thingy, and they give you a sticker, all from the comfort of your car. Nice. So, and I mean, yeah. voting was still an option, but, like, if you felt safer in your car, you know, and I'm just a proponent of, like, I love not being, not having to get out, like, if there's a drive through anything, I'm using it. So, <laughs> and I was going to ask if that was something that they usually do or if it, it was I something they put in place for COVID. I think it was something they put in place for COVID. Um, and so, yeah, so it doesn't have to be this way. You know, it doesn't have to be like long lines and only one polling place and only one place to turn in your you know, mail-in ballot. Like, that is by design, and that's intentional, you know. Yeah, and I was really thinking about, um, like, Texas and Virginia are two big stories that have been out as far as, like, voter suppression. And then, like, in Texas, how they have one ballot box drop-off per county. Yep. And the sizes of the counties are the sizes of some states. (laughs) Houston is literally a state. I people... It's people wild. kill me. It's wild. And then Virginia, um, 
I was just about to mention y'all. <laughs> minute, I, well, not last minute, like midday yesterday, I think. I don't remember the exact time, but it was in the daytime. The um, voter registration website, like there was a cable cut that somehow made the website crash, quote unquote, accidentally. Right. On the last day of voter registration. However, um, the attorney general, um, he, you know, petitioned that they extend early voting. And then there was a lawsuit put in place by a civil rights organization. Um, and so they did extend it. So early voting ends today at 1159. Wow. PM. So they extended it. But I was like, how you accidentally on purpose cut the cable? Well, early voting or voter registration? No, I'm sorry, not early voting, voter registration. You're correct. Okay. Yes. So early voting in North Carolina begins tomorrow. If you're a North Carolinian, make sure that you vote. Yeah, I think early voting started today in Tennessee, I think. Or this week, I think, in Tennessee. Hmm. Make sure you do that. I think early voting is a really great idea. I mean, um. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think it's great. Get you get your sticker. Don't take a picture of your ballot. I didn't really re- realize that, like, these ballot pictures were an issue until I've seen, like, so many posts talking about, like, don't post pictures of your ballot. And yeah. I've, never, I've never seen a picture of somebody, like, posting a picture or a selfie of themselves in their ballot. So I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, they may take one just, like, a selfie of themselves, but then you can kind of see in the background their little uh, ballot, but... I don't know, you know, before I get on my social media soapbox, you know, people do stuff for the gram. They do. They do. <sighs> I mean, I totally believe it's out there, but I'm just saying I've, I've never witnessed. I was like, oh, that's a thing. People do that. Okay. that's. I mean, and usually when you see stories like this, you have to remember it's not my people. It's people out there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Because remember, we live in bubbles. And so we hear stories of stuff. Yeah, when you hear stories of people doing ridiculous stuff, you're like, who does that? You have to realize it's not people I know. Yeah, you're right. You are absolutely right. Mm. I'm so glad I don't live in one of those alternate universes of social media. That would be weird. Um, It's a whole world. (laughs) But if you think about how many followers you have or how many people you follow... And then you think about how you have your own little bubble of a world and they all have their own individual bubbles of worlds that they go to. Like, isn't that like crazy? Yeah, because even like my mom's social media, like her Facebook, sometimes I'll look on her Facebook like, oh, I'm not friends with any of these people. Like, it just be old people from the church and stuff. I'm like, oh, what they doing? What they kids up to? And I just start scrolling. And it's like, it's a whole different world on her platform than it is in mine. But that's the beauty of it too you can curate your own world you can so the other honor roll um honoree that's yeah. sister honor roll honoree mm-hmm. the other honor roll honoree is our favorite senator from california kamala harris well one of our no that's congresswoman hold up wait no, I think Waters is from California too. What is she? She's a congresswoman. Representative. She's a representative, not a senator. Continue. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
our good Senator Kamala Harris, our candidate for the U.S. Vice President for the Democratic Party, who got Pence fly on my head all the way together during that debate. Um, and I mean, the debate's been a little while ago. I think it's been, what, about two weeks now? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, this got him all the way together with her I'm speaking. And she said it with a smile. Oh, speaking of that, our favorite superintendent mm-hmm. he in the board meeting and I was oh. just here for it. Oh, I wish I could have been there. Girling. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. Oh my goodness. But yeah, like I so appreciated that moment because, you know, like I think as a woman of color, especially, like there's so many times where you get like silenced and like spoken over. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you check somebody, then you're the angry person. Yep. Um, but I felt like what she did rhetorically, like in terms of like sternly telling him I'm speaking and then saying it with a smile like that. First of all, like she was having to do code switching backflips up there, basically. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, emotionally taxing. But I was just like, you know what? Get him together. And it's funny, though, because like people still said she was angry and like being a b-word and all of those things and i'm just like it doesn't it's crazy because like sometimes as a black woman like i feel this way i can't speak for everybody but like it feels like no matter what you do or say people are always going to think you're angry absolutely absolutely um to be able to just transcend that it's funny because one of my coworkers used to always tell me you know like say it with a smile like say it with a smile like um but it's to be quite honest, that smile doesn't do anything. It doesn't change their mind. Right. So I might have told me fully present myself as I meant to present it the first time. And they can do with that information as they wish. It's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Somebody mentioned that recently, say it with a smile. But I think they said it for like online or um, on the phone, just mm-hmm. to kind of, because they said it changes the inflection of your voice. Yeah. It nicer but um I said what I said with the finger leaks I said I said what I said because yeah. like, I feel like even when you say it with a smile like people if people want you to be the angry black woman they're going to make sure that you are that oh yeah absolutely and I was really looking at her perf- not her performance but her um her debate performance, I guess it is a performance. It's like, I said, man, she really has to navigate a lot just being up on that stage because she's not only a woman debating a man, she's a woman of color debating a man. And so all the nuances in those identities, and then you are debating a white male who is the epitome of white privilege and white supremacy in America. I was like, layers. It's it's so layered. And like, I also think it's super ironic that he was up there looking like casket crispy, like very vampire. (laughs) Casket crispy. (laughs) Like funeral home ready. Like he like, he just popped up and sprang out of his casket. 
And I was just like, you know, this, I don't know, just for me, I, it felt very symbolic for like the death of like white supremacy. Yeah. And he literally had a fly like sit on him. And I know, you know, some people have been making the equivalent or connecting the dot between like, oh, you know, like he the fly lands on him and sits on him because, you know, he's full of BS. But I think like it's more like symbolic for decay. When something dies, flies are attracted to it. Yep. And so, you know, I believe in signs and symbols. So. However, I will say I absolutely loved all of the memes about Flashon. Listen, yes, I was here for it. Flashon, I know. Right. And then, did you see that the Biden Harris campaign um, sold out of Flash Waters? Yes. Like that same night, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, people are petty. Petty, you know, like super petty. I and what's crazy is like, Liv, I don't know the last time I saw a fly. I see them. Them suckers be everywhere. Really? Like, I mean, I maybe saw a fly or so this summer, but like indoors, I don't know. If, I can't recall seeing no flies inside. Oh, no. Inside? No, I haven't seen one in a while. So I'm like, where did it come from? <laughs> I don't know. I just have so many questions, but it was highly entertaining. Wasn't mad at it. I also um, would like to know who does Kamala Harris's hair. Um, bouncing and behaving. Girl, it was full. Like it was giving me all the sway and all the flips and all the bounce. So I'm like, mm. I'm like, you think she has a piece in it? It was so thick. It was thick. I think, yeah, I think either. Yeah, I'm just going to say yeah. But you know how I feel about that. I just feel like it's still hers. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, look, I've been researching bundles lately anyway. Like, what? Yeah, she, had, <laughs> she had, I'm going to say she had 16 inches with the bang. I do think it was about 16 because of the way it flipped up. It was like it's probably I'm it's crazy. I'm looking at it now. It's probably like layered, is what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she had the good swoop and she had the bounce. So I think it's a it looks like a I'ma say it's a full slow in. I don't see I don't know, but she could have a partial slow in in the like leave out in the front. Or it's a U part. U part. Oh, jeans. Mm-hmm. Could be. Oh, black women. I love us. I love it. I love it. It looked good. She was like, listen, y'all, y'all gonna, but it looks so natural though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was the same color and like, look at her actual, you know, her everyday look. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, man. That's a thing in itself too, because if she would have came out, in her political career as a black woman who had jacked up hair, that would have been a thing too. But you know what, girl? And I guess we can talk about this when we get to the education piece. I mean, I, I guess we're kind of leaning in there from the from our honor roll. Um, but I feel like I know education leaders with jacked up hair. Well, and I. Not even black education, just like just just across the board. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We could do a whole episode on hair and appearance. Yes, I think we should. I love it. 
Um, that would be fun. But yeah. Um, but yeah. After I buy bundles. Yeah, we can talk about bundles. Where are you? Well, we'll talk about where to buy them. I got some suggestions. But <laughs> yeah, because I didn't like the last bundles I got. But anyway, moving on. So this so week- I have one last thing to say about Kamala uh-huh. here. I her facial expressions. Oh yes. Girl. Yeah. The best black lady side eyes. Yeah. And I love the um tweets and the memes talking about like where they have multiple of her multiple pictures of her facial expressions on a shirt or like on a um t- in a tweet and it was like, you know, every black person, every black woman really understands what each of these means. Mm-hmm. And yeah. honestly, that can mean a myriad of things. Depending on the situation and the tone. Yeah. It could. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. I feel like her I am speaking moment or I'm speaking moment. I think her exact words were I'm speaking. But mm-hmm. I feel like her I'm speaking moment was like her like Shirley Chisholm unbought and unbossed moment. Yeah. I'm saying like I feel like that is a moment that people are going to be talking about years to come. So kudos to her. Moving on. And I'm reclaiming my time. Yes, I forever reclaiming my time all the time. So this week we are discussing a piece of you know, the voting, what do we want to call it? The ballot that a lot of people oftentimes don't pay attention to. Um, sometimes as educators, we don't even pay attention to it. However, it impacts us greatly on a day-to-day basis in our profession. And that is um, the school board. And so I think we're just going to call this episode the problem of school boards because I told Mel, I was like, I'm fed up. And I think Hopefully, I feel like this COVID experience has um, spotlighted a lot of school boards and the issue with school boards because now people are realizing, like, who makes the decisions um, as far as, like, when my kids go back to school, how they go back to school, all of these things. However, I mean, as I say that, I would hope they pay attention, but I still hear people saying, like, the superintendent X, Y, and Z, the superintendent you don't even realize that they're not the person who makes the decisions in most school districts. Not all, but most. Right. Um, they do feel the school district and the decisions that are made. And I think um, people don't understand like that the superintendent, I think people think in their heads that superintendents run the school board, but in reality, not the school board, but in reality, the superintendent is at the pleasure of the board. Yeah. And so their boss, I hate to put it that way, but essentially their boss is the school board. And the school board is supposed to be the representatives of the people who are living in that particular community. Um, However, most people, it's rare when you see that there is like, more than one person running for for a board seat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that doesn't happen often, because most times people don't think about the school board. And of course, there are those people who really do care about the school board, and they really are, you know, 
involved and they're running for the right reasons. But a lot of times um, that is not the case. But your superintendents in your school district, like I mentioned before, like they work for the school board. So if the school board is like, hey, the people in, in my you know district or that I represent or my region of the district that I represent want to, um, I don't know, want to see what's something, I don't know, like this, I'll use a a general thing that's kind of happens a lot. Like the parents in my district are concerned about, you know, why their kids can't get a 50 instead of a zero. Cause for whatever reason that becomes a board issue, like grades become a big issue. Um, then guess what? That's where the board makes a policy with the superintendent and the superintendent rolls out the policy to the people who work in the school district. So the superintendent in a sense, superintendency is important because they do make a lot of decisions because they're kind of the liaison between the school district and the community. But the representatives of the community are the school board. Now, I have a question. In your area, is the school board partisan? Girl. Um... I'm going to say no. I think it's bipartisan pretty much. Um, I don't know if it's equally split. Well, I mean, if they say like Mel is running for District 1, does it also have Mel's political party associated with her name? You know what? Let me think about it. I think it does. I think it does. So for a long time, a number of years in my area, the school board was not partisan in that aspect. I would say in the last, I don't know, I keep thinking I'm fresh in the profession, but at least the last 10 years or so, it's been partisan. And I think that has caused a lot more division because... At this point, people are doing things for their political party instead of what is in the best interest of their community. Now, okay, so to to clarify, I just looked it up, so I was wrong. However, they are nonpartisan. However, I will say this, that they're all endorsed by a party. (laughs) So, right. Even if the ballot doesn't say it, when you're going up to vote, there are signs and you do get, you know, how you have the people out there like giving you suggestions on who to vote on based off of your political affiliation. There are people that are like, they have the people that they are supporting for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. So it's like kind of a yes and no. Right. Like, you know what's up. And that's the thing I was going to say. It's like, even though you know, they may, like, before they were partisan, they may just say, I'm Olivia and I represent District 1. The values that they present very much still reflect the values of a particular political party. And you can hear it in their conversations. So I don't, I guess the actual identification or the affiliation to a political party solidifies the vote for some people because they're like hmm okay I hear you but I know for sure that you are my people so let me go ahead and give you this vote I definitely think that that because there's so much of a 
mystic fog around what a school board does <laughs> that I think, like you said, people are like, hey, they're affiliated with my people, so I'm just going to vote for them. So it's like easier, even though a lot of those, how do I say this? Like, just say it. <laughs> whether a person is a Republican or a Democrat and how you see them affiliated in terms of their views on abortion rights or whatever, doesn't... <laughs> Yes, that does kind of predict perhaps their what they're going to do in a school district as a school board representative, mm-hmm. but not necessarily because the jobs are so different. Right. So, like, you can assume that, hey, I think most people will assume, okay, if it's a, if it's a person running for school board and they are supported by the Republican Party, I think now most people will uh, assume that they also support charters. Right. Um, however, that may not always be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it really just depends um, on the individual. Because I think there's also been some board members, excuse me, that are considered more liberal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that have also made bad decisions for school districts. True. So, in terms of like, federal funding and budgeting and spending and allocating funds to schools and making sure that schools that um, serve high needs students are the best. Ser- like, I think it really, you really have to know what this person is planning on doing in a school district is what I'm trying to say. You do. And I think that's one thing that frustrates me a lot with educators. And we've talked about this a little bit last week and the fact that, you know, a lot of, not a lot, we always encounter educators who are not informed on the voting process or um, or some that don't even vote or know who they're voting for. I get that for like, even some of the state elections, I get it for some of the federal, but these local decisions literally impact you on literally. a day-to-day basis. Day-to-day basis. And school board, especially, so like, for those districts who are, um, I don't know, like anything, like a lot of things that teachers complain about. Let's just use a broad one. Let's talk about um, teacher pay, right? Mm-hmm. Like a district is only allocated so much money from the state based off of taxpayer dollars, right? So that is then allocated into, you know, whatever. However, the school board can, um, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but essentially they can petition the board of, or the county board of trustees and ask like for a raise or an increase in funding in order to increase teacher salaries. And that increase in funding may come in the form of increasing certain taxes like sales tax so on and so forth that you may vote on on a ballot. So like, I think sometimes people don't aren't super informed about those little tax things that they get asked on a ballot that are on the bottom or the back. That's like, you know, do you agree with increasing like a 0.2% tax increase? And people are so quick to be like, no, you're not raising my No, but that are, those are the things that end up funding things like your roads or your schools or, you know, things like that. So I don't think people really think about that piece and how that kind of all goes together in the grand scheme of things. And so when I see teachers complaining about teacher pay, 
I think about local elections because, and I also think about like the way that they vote for different um, taxes or things to be untaxed or who's on your school board that's going to advocate for an increase in terms of not even like those tax things, but even thinking about the budget that they do have. Okay. So if we're allocating, let's say we have a 200,000, no, not 200,000. That's ridiculous. Let's say we have like a $200 million budget, right? Mm -hmm. Imaginary school district. This is probably a small school district, but let's say we have $200 million to work within the school district. Your school board is going to determine how much of that funding is going to go to things like SROs and security and how much is going to go towards curriculum materials and how much is going to go towards infrastructure and updating the buildings and how much is going to go towards teacher pay and benefits. They also determine who is going to do your health insurance benefits. Yeah. (laughs) So when you get those health insurance increases every so often or every year and you're like, wait, we were with Kaiser and now we're with Blue Cross Blue Shield. That is a board decision. And then the cabinet that works with your superintendent. But your board also has a huge influence on those things. So your board may be representing a specific segment of your school district that doesn't even have students that go to your school. They might go to a private school. Exactly. So when the thing that comes up is like, oh, should we increase funding to, I don't know, should we increase the budgetary amount that we allot to support students in a high need school district? Or should we, you know, approve this, allot this to improve the technology? Because it's going to come full circle in a minute. But should we approve this thing to increase the budget for technology for students in this high need school? And they're like, uh, no, because, you know, the students in my part of the district, they don't need it. Guess what? They students in their part of the district probably don't even go to the public school system. Right. So they're representing their interests of the people that they represent. And I get it. That's the game we're playing. But the other piece is when we come now, 2020 in October, and you see people who are still having issues with dis- with distance learning because students don't have devices or students don't have um, access to Wi-Fi or they don't have access to get the materials that they need for virtual learning. Guess what? That's because your board decided how they, they were spending that CARES funding. Yep. And they may not have saw it as a priority to provide those for students. Every school district in the country got CARES funds. Like that is what every school district got that money. Districts, school boards, and superintendents decided what to do with that fund. So speaking of the CARES fund, um, recently there was a situation where a board member asked the board if they should provide um, thermometers to parents so that they could take the temps of kids themselves before they get on the bus. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to use their CARES funds to buy thermometers for parents. Okay. And I'm like, does anybody else see an issue with wasting this money? I think that's a huge waste of money. However, because they were on the board and they had the authority to make that decision. Yep. 
And if they can persuade, because I mean, we all know how spheres of influence work in politics and, you know, you in a clique of people and guess what? Like this person, my <laughs> ace boon coon and they can persuade this person, talk to this person over here, get them on my side. So before you know it, a decision has been made. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's, most of the time, it's not a good one. A lot of the time. I'm not going to say a lot of the time. Sometimes it is a good one, and occasionally, a lot of the time, it is not. Um, Let me tell you this. I've watched a number of board meetings, and I will say that a good number of times, any decisions that are posed by the board are usually not well thought out and are usually not... um, in the best interest of kids educationally. It may be something to make the community feel good, but it is not. Yeah. It's not anything research-based or no anything supported. Right. Because let's be clear. And I mean, not to say that school boards are, are not comprised of intelligent people, because a lot of times they are. And, you know, they're very respectable people. But most times your board members are citizens in the community you know so like they're under like you said like it may not be the best research decision but it's something that their constituents want and so their job as a board member who hopes to get reelected or may have other political aspirations is to get reelected so therefore I gotta make sure that I represent the needs of my community and let's call a spade a spade. Most times, school board members have absolutely zero experience in oh, a- yeah. And honestly, quite honestly, like from what I have seen and observed, a lot of times it seems, it appears, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's also really difficult for educators to run for a school board. In some yeah. Communities. yeah. I so- when I've seen like teachers or former administrators run for school board, they are not as supported by their communities, which I think is highly problematic because, and I mean, we know why. Yeah. Well, it's because they don't have the clout. First of all, they don't have the community pool or the um, circle of sphere of influence to get the votes needed to get on the board. And because usually the people who are on the board again are, um, business people in the community are different community leaders or they um, are, you know, already in the political sphere and using the board position to continue to rise in politics. Absolutely. So I just think those things kind of really, and it's sad, you know, I, I know in my current like district or current place where I live, actually, there are to my recollection right now, there are two board members that are former educators. And there's, I know of one who is a parent um, who has students that go to school in the district. So I feel like that's a really well-rounded board. Yeah. Actually, no, I think there are several of them that have students in the district, but I know of one like for sure because her son went to our school. Um, And then one of the other board members, he used to be a teacher in the district um, and he couldn't get in the administrator's pool and they kept kind of giving him these around, you know how that can be in different districts. They kept kind of giving him this like 
run around about the why and the how, and they were very elusive about the process. And he decided he wanted to change the process, and he ran for school board. Wow! Did he get on? Yeah, he he won. Great. That's really good. Um, so I took advantage in March for the primary. I took advantage of people not paying attention to the local elections and not necessarily just I, but a lot of people took advantage of that and voted somebody out who needed to be voted out. And so I'm just waiting for their terms to end because, um, they will no longer be serving on the board and we do have an opportunity to get someone who does have an education background on the board and that person will be the only person on the board with a that actually served in the classroom mm. and that is a shame um that many is. of our board members are they have students or they their children are no longer in the school system i think we maybe have two or three who still have children in the school system out of nine yeah and you know what that's probably the same for a lot of school districts, you know, board, you know, boards. And I know, and also like, let's also just talk about the way that the board approves, like who's, who's hired. Yeah. Your position and the renewal of your contract. Like, and usually I'm sure it's probably just like a boring, like, yeah, you know, we approve it. Like, cause they probably don't even know who we are, but you know, like when we talk about things like increasing diversity in, um, which is crazy. I think we should just start rewording that. But when we talk about increasing diversity in teachers and educators, your board also plays a very significant role very, in that process. And also who gets to be administrators in your district. Um, yeah. And I, that people I, pay a little bit more attention to that piece. Right. I have been offered my position um, bef- like maybe two weeks before I was announced on the board so mm-hmm. I couldn't say anything well I had been clued in that I kind of had it but I had to keep it mum until it had been board approved because right anything could happen really especially yeah. when these administrative positions um because and I was so stupid also, because I think also, like, in terms of administrative position, board approval, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but board approval also is pending funding and budgeting. And if they decide to do something different with the money, so they could decide that, okay, yeah, you may have had two assistant principals last year, but this year we're just going to give you one. So that could, in some situations, impact it. Um, for instance, I had a friend in a neighboring district who had been offered a position However, because their school lost enrollment, the board cut another AP position. And so she's actually still looking for a job. Wow. Yeah. So see, like all of this kind of comes together, guys. But also that enrollment piece, I think a lot of schools are having difficulty with enrollment currently. Yeah. Um, given the pandemic. And I'm interested to see, A, what school boards are going to do to advocate for people to stay in the public school system, A, and B, (laughs) let me rephrase that. What are school districts going to do to advocate for students to stay in the public school district? And B, what are school districts going to do to advocate for teachers to stay in the school district? Because let's be clear, 
for a lot of our listeners out here, this they last year. They done. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been a lot of stuff going on that people not feeling, and not just the virtual learning piece, you know, right. like not just that, because that's part of it, but the additional stress, stressful situations that people are having to deal with, interactions with parents, constantly being on call, people not knowing, like, even though I'm at, like at home, like we're all working from home, like there's a cutoff of contract hours. And I think this is the time for like boards and superintendents to be like, hey, guys, you're not going to harass like teachers at nine o'clock about grades. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like I don't think district leaders are savvy to all of that going on a lot of the time. And I'm just speaking about what I know of with like people I know in my personal life, what I see people posting about on social media, like live. I've had so many conversations with like teachers this week alone. I can count five people that said this day last year. Yeah. And it's, it's only Wednesday. <laughs> you know, like Wednesday and it's only October. And I've only been on Instagram, I think, twice this week. It's rough out here. It is. And I don't think um I think boards need to really be in the words of uh, I hate to quote this song. But in the words of Sparkle, you better be careful what you do to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because somebody um, might do it to you. Yeah. Absolutely. So in an ideal world. Be careful with me. That's a better, less problematic quote. Or maybe oh, not. Yeah. I do love Cardi. Libra gang. Um, Y'all wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wild and wild. That's all I got to say. I would say, in a perfect world, like if I had it my way, I my would definitely put a mandate in my um, way. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I would put a stipulation in that you have to serve at least like 150 hours in a school, or like be in a school, volunteer something for at least 150, 200 hours no. before. And trying to run for a position on the board. Because let me tell you, the the questions that I hear from school board members in these meetings are stupid. There's no other word to use it. So, like, there was a paper that said something about BTs. And these people have been on the board for years. And they're like, what are BTs? What teachers are? No. Then, Uh it was another thing about... um, Somebody asked about the EL classroom saying, are there translators available? Um, What is the process for them? It's just like, no, because the goal is for them to, they're English language learners. So they're learning English. (sighs) Yikes. Okay, so I have a question just because I'm a little disconnected to like your community in terms of like local politics. So like, how new is your school board? Like these people asking these questions. They are not new. When I tell you these people have been on the board for years, the ones asking the stupid questions, they've been on for years. So maybe the thing is they just don't care. <laughs> so they do though. Here's the thing. And this is another issue that I have with school boards. Like we said, they use it as political stepping stones. And so instead of being at a school board meeting, you are yeah. at a rally downtown 
pausing in and out of the meeting because you're like, oh, I can't, I didn't hear the question. Can you repeat it? Because I'm at the rally. I mean, I get your social justice. During a virtual school board meeting? Yes. But then they are also the same type of person who is like, hey, teachers, community members, if you have concerns, send them my way because they're usually the one who's loudest and they're loud and wrong. But they can't adequately like advocate for those things because they're too busy trying to build a platform for themselves. Yes. And so because they know the meetings are live streamed, it becomes like the board members show and they become like a Nene leaks. Oh, no. They're literally using their fame from the board meetings to get into other positions in the community. And so stuff like that drives me insane because I'm always thinking about like, I'm, I'm one of those who are in the professions, like let's do what's best for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And when all of us, from the top down or not doing what's best for kids, what are we doing? Well, I'll tell you what they were doing. We're doing things that are self-serving. And they're, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is, and I hate to be very bad news, <laughs> but um, unfortunately, like, I feel like the most of the people who are elected officials and school boards or district level leaders are not in it for kids. Not at all. In the words of Lanethia Leaks, I said what I said. Um, Because, I mean, I think we all know people who have are in it for different, you know, motivations. And, I mean, yes, that's unfortunate. Um, But I think those of us who are in it for the right reason have to figure out how to best navigate. Um. Because let's be clear, those people are are stumbling blocks. Yeah. A lot of the times, like those people who are like, you know what? I made it. I did it. You know what I'm saying? I'm here for my check. I'm here for the prestige, for the power, for the look of having this political position. Like those people are stumbling blocks. So we have to be innovative and witty in the ways that we are dismantling those systems. And here like my personal prediction is that school boards are this may sound bad but Say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be honest I think school boards are gonna get ready to be obsolete they're very archaic it's 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 super archaic and misused function unfortunately it is and I think it drives me insane just because like I said, like we've said this whole time, it's just like people that have zero experience or knowledge of what yeah, truly is best for kids, what is sound research, what is sound policy for education, they're not the ones making the decision. So, they're and not. then because the community is not informed on these people, we continue to allow them to be on boards for years and years and years because we're not paying yeah. attention, not voting. Absolutely. And also, you got to think about this part, like, because these are community members, our board members are members of our own community, like, we also have, like, these other political associations or cliques, if you will, where this board member goes to church over here, so therefore, the whole church supports that board member, you know what I'm saying, like, so it just becomes this kind of um, cosm of maintaining 
problematic situations, if you will, um, and people in positions. But I also feel like school boards and just the way the school districts are structured, and again, we're, we're talking about public school districts, I, I like to preface every statement I make with that because I'm not privy to the way that private schools or charter schools work. And that's a whole other ball game. So, yeah. Um, but in terms of public school districts, you're, um, I, I hate it when people compare school districts to like a business and a corporation because it's not the same thing. When you have a, like a corporation or a business, the people who serve on the board for that corporation usually have some sort of expertise related to that corporation or that business. You know what I'm saying? Like the CFO or CEO or COO of a corporation, they all have like super knowledgeable of like all of these things related to the business most times. You know what I'm saying? And the people who serve on their board are like advisors to them who also have expertise in different ways. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or they're just super rich guys. So they're experts at being super rich, okay? In a school board, though, it is different because they are elected, first of all. So it's not like a corporation because corporations don't really elect publicly the people who serve on the board for a corporation. Second of all, like, again, it could be your cousin Billy Bob on the school board. Um... Although I haven't seen that often, but you know what I'm saying? Like it could be anybody on the school board as long as they have the votes. So they don't have to have any knowledge or expertise or understanding of how to run a school district. They just come there with their opinions and ideas and the opinions and ideas of the people that they are supposed to be representing or the ones that they influence to follow them, essentially. Yeah. So I'll give you a great example. So recently in my school district, not my current school district, in the community that I live in, I don't work in the same district as the county that I live in. So in my community, there has been a group of parents um, and students, I guess, probably at the behest of their parents, protesting outside of the school board to have them reopen schools. Ooh. With signs and things to say things like, you know, we're not afraid, reopen schools, you know, all that fun stuff. And, you know, I'm confused because the governor in the state of Virginia has only permitted schools to open for certain very specific groups of students, like super specific, okay? like your students that are taking vocational classes um, and I think pre-K can opt to go back. And I think like students who have severe special needs and that's all, okay, <laughs> that's it. So I'm like, wait, why do they think that these, and these protests apparently were going on for a while and also word on the street was that they were harassing administrators and calling up raising hell with principals and assistant principals about um, letting their kids come back to school. And I was confused because I'm just like, the superintendent can't make that decision, y'all. But that's where we get what? to, like you said, people don't really know how it operates. But here we go. Wait, wait, wait. This is the other crazy part. The school board, in turn, 
had an emergency school board meeting to discuss said protests and hear the needs of said parents. And I was confused. If you cannot provide said needs, why are you hearing them? Like, I don't understand. Like, what are you going to do about it? But I just was bothered by the fact that they even entertained the idea of like, oh, let's hear them out. You know, they want us to reopen. Let's think about what we can do when you literally can do nothing. They just want to keep their seat warm on that board. Because your power cannot surpass that of the governor. And I also think that also had a lot to do with like the superintendent in my community and like his wanting to impress a certain um, COVID spreading president who shall not be named um, because, you know, that's also part of like the micro political system and not micro political. This is like massive political system at this point, because I do live in the DMV and I think, that's also a part of what influences school district decisions are who's who do they want to appeal to on Capitol Hill. Right. Which is different, I think, than for a lot of other communities, you know, like, because I think a lot of superintendents in this area are also thinking about their next steps um, in terms of their career, because, you know, for a lot of people like superintendents, like I right, I'm superintendent, I made it, this is what I'm gonna do. I think in the DMV, it's also like, so what I'm, I, what am I going to do next to influence education on a national level? Yeah. And honestly, even not necessarily in the DMV, it's like when you're a superintendent and you are basically ruled by the board, uh, you always have to be thinking of your next move because they could choose not to renew your contract. Listen, listen. Oh my gosh. So I think I've talked about this before, but like as part of like my doctoral program, we had to attend this thing um, called the Urban Superintendents Academy. And when they were talking about contracts and they were talking about the length of an average length of a superintendent's contract and then the average length of a black superintendent's contract, there is no job security. None. And so, yeah, you may be making like a quarter of a million dollars or a half a million dollars as a superintendent, but if your contract only for one year, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that even a lifestyle that you can get accustomed to? No. So I don't think that people think about that and I do think that the superintendent is an influential role, but I think people also got to think about these school boards because, and one thing that I took from the Urban Superintendents Academy was like, you a superintendent serves at the pleasure of the board, so you have to figure out how to appeal to the school board members and the variety of their needs and the communities they represent. Um, so I think sometimes people think that oh, superintendents get in there and they go, you know change you know flip stuff upside down and change everything the way they want to and it is not that simple it's not so good people out there if you're listening if you have not done so already please make sure that you look up if if you haven't voted yet please make sure that you look up who is on your board when their seats expire if you're eligible to vote for your 
representative this go around please make sure that you get out and vote for the best candidate um and honestly for school boards you really need to be paying attention during primary season because for some races you may only have one option because not enough people ran in the primary or it wasn't a close enough race in the primary so just make sure that that is an area of your local government that you pay attention to and then also I just like to you know say that we do have choices so even if you notice that hey like these are the same people who run every year like I don't know maybe perhaps like there are tons of organizations out here that are trying to support young people who want to run for office and I think people should go for it. Like if you yes. if you want to make a massive impact in a school district and you feel like, you know, you are, you know, a, like politics is, is kind of your thing, then like, I say go for it. Like, because if not, you could have anybody out here representing the interests of the kids that we serve in schools, you know? And that's not always the best interest. So, like, I'm pleased with who serves on my board, who represents me on the board in terms of my com- community. Um, but I just think it's something for people to be mindful of. So, yeah. So, at some point, I said that when I grow up, I'm going to run for a board position. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Sometimes I care. Sometimes I don't. As far as, like, being on the board. I always care about what's happening on the board, but like, do I actually need to serve on the board? I might, I might not. Yeah. And I also suggest that reminds me, like if you are an educator, pay attention to those board. I know, I know me and Liv have said this time and time again, but pay attention to what your school board is saying and like what they're talking about. You don't have to watch the whole eight hour meeting because sometimes they have eight hour meetings. Um, (laughs) But like, at least go look at the meeting minutes, the transcript from the meeting. Make sure you go check any additional policies, policies that are on the, um, that are going to be changed, any updates to board policies. Like, just make sure you're keeping up with that. Um, and then also, if you work for a public school district, also make sure you're involved in the um, organizations that represent teachers specifically. I mean, I would suggest the AFT or the NEA. Um, because they also are influential in terms of um, meeting with the board and influencing board policies. It's real out here. We have it's to real, pay, real out here. It's very pay attention. Like I don't know how else to. Yeah. And I guess I get it. Like I understand like the frustration with teacher pay, but I get frustrated with teachers that don't pay attention to school boards. Me too. And so, like, when I'm, like, going to the meetings or when I'm, like, watching the meetings and I bring it up at work, like, yeah, you know, they talk about this at the school board and they're going to cut this much. And people are like, no, I didn't know that. Or, um, like, people don't get involved with, like, their unions or their professional organizations that have a say and advocate for those things. So, like, you have to be a part of those decisions. So, like, I get, you know, venting your frustrations on social media, but at the end of the day, what is that going to change? Nothing, nothing. Nothing, because guess what? Your board member is sitting somewhere kicking it with a glass of Chardonnay right now. 
literally once spoke about um you know when I was playing tennis I played tennis with a lot of grandmothers and when I was on the tennis court okay you're playing tennis in the middle of the day while the real educators are working exactly through okay okay so anyway um principal's office I could really put my local school board in the principal's office however I still have to keep my job so okay we're just gonna not in a watch list Uh, but my principal's office is really quick Um, I just have a couple things to say one of those things is that um, none of our listeners are impacted by this what I'm about to say, but I know you all out there have colleagues who may be lazy. Ooh. They're not your friends. Um, but if they are, then you need to hold them accountable. But I have really reached a boiling point with lazy teachers. And mm-hmm. a couple reasons you went I to the It's because huh? <laughs> you went to the dark side. Not only that, but I had a, I was already annoyed with them in the classroom or not necessarily yeah. in the classroom because I didn't know they existed to the extent that they do. But yeah. I think because there's a perception by some community members that teachers are lazy already. And especially with this virtual teaching, there's a misconception that teachers are just kind of chilling. They're not working as hard, blah, blah, blah. And we all know that as false. And we know that teachers are working 10 times harder mm-hmm. than you know, being face to face. And so when you come across teachers who are in fact lazy and don't hold their weight, it perpetuates that stereotype. And on the flip side, I just see such an urgency in education. And like, especially for the population my school serves, it's like, y'all, <laughs> education is literally a life or death thing for a lot of these kids and so if they are not learning how to read Mm -hmm. what are we doing what are we doing and so when you're just kind of taking it like oh whatever they'll get it next no they may not (laughs) because if they keep running into teachers like you they may not and here's the other piece the ones that I'm speaking of specifically like to walk around with like social justice shirts or racial I can't talk today racial justice shirts and it's like if you're not teaching them how to read you're not teaching them how to think and be not necessarily be but think and read like you don't believe in any of this that's on your shirt Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's a clear way that you have power and a, a clear way that you can help the next generation get to where they want to be um, and you're just squandering that opportunity. So if you have lazy teacher acquaintances out there, tell them to get their butt together or get out of the profession. And I know it's a shortage already, but, but you know, but you gotta go. <laughs> but here's the thing. Well, two things. Cause I kind of see both sides of it. Right. Cause I do feel like if you were lazy in the building, you definitely going to be lazy at the house. Right. <laughs> and I feel like the lazy, like, like a way to identify your like lazy coworker is like they're the ones that are always asking, like, does anybody have any resources? Um, 
you know, like, what do you guys want to, like, they're always the person that's asking for things. And I don't mind sharing, but it should be reciprocal. And, you know, like, if you're constantly, like, the one that's, like, always, never contributing, but always asking for things, I think, I start to think that you're the one that's, like, using your teammates. Yikes. Um, but, hey, it happens. Um, but the other flip side is, like, it's also a pandemic. You know? It like, is. People sad and depressed and going through things. And I think we should just have a little bit of grace for people. So, like, I, re- I also know, like, a lot of, like, teachers who, yeah, like, this year they are the lazy teacher because, like, they just, yeah, this just ain't it. Because, like, a lot of people, and not to be, to simplify it, but a lot of people work is their happy place. Work is their place to get away from whatever they're going through at home. And so, just like it's a safe place for kids, unfortunately, I can't agree with this. But for some people, going to a school is their safe place from work. And that may be because they just got, like, things that go on at home that bother them or whatever. They could have an abusive spouse. Like, it could be all types of shit going on. So, I mean, I get it. But I think, you know, we should have a little grace for them. No, I think, um, no. And I say no because Listen, no. I'm, I'm like I'm at the point of like absolutely no you have to go because there's been grace extended of course because um, I definitely believe in that for sure yeah but I feel like abuse and to work there I feel like there's a lot of people that abuse the system in that district of course I worked at the school where people just didn't come to work for like weeks on end exactly <laughs> except their job <laughs> Stuff like that drives me insane. It's like, what are we really doing here? Yeah. And I also think I have a different work ethic than um, people that I'm fussing about. But I'm telling y'all, just step outside. Get a bird's eye view of your school if you can for at least a day, a week, whatever. You'll see it's some foolishness out here. It is some foolishness. You, I totally believe it, but it, it, it dresses me out. Oh, I don't want like, you to be stressed. In a classroom where I was teaching, I was like, "Everybody, on my hall teaching. We all good." No, we're not. <laughs> Girl, we are not. But again, this doesn't apply to our folks. Um, but if you have those people, you know those people. Help them. Help them, Lord. Help them. Yeah, just help them just a little bit. Because I feel like... But I feel like it's a it's a lot of people. Like I said, if you were lazy in the building, and we all know those people who did nothing all day but walk around and run their mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, what do you think they're going to do with the house? I had one that was a teammate. She would literally sit and eat chips in the class. Um, and they would come up to you and be like, so wait, can you email with me what she doing? Literally, that's what she would say. And then um, and she like, was, okay. and in the virtual team meetings, they're the ones like, so you got, uh, can you email me to send me the files? She was staying in the hallway, talking on the phone, like have full-fledged conversations with her homegirl. Like she didn't have a classroom full of kids. I'm like, oh, okay. This is what we doing. Or bust in my room. Just want to have conversation while I'm teaching, and I'm. No, like, what I is that? Who just bust in the room? That really bothers me. 
yeah so i mean i know we're all going through it we i i get it for sure but we gotta we gotta mother something up did you have anything you want to put in the Christmas office? I mean, nothing new from the same, like, from the previous week. Um, I'm going to say I think y'all need to stay y'all butts at the house. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'll just leave that there. Because um, y'all have been living y'all best lives, and it looks yeah. really cute on social media. I'm not even going to lie to you. I probably like some of the pictures. But y'all sit down. Please go sit down. Please. Somebody just sent me a message like, hey, I'm throwing a um a sneaker ball for my birthday. And I wanted to reply in a pandemic, but I just um I just left it on girl because I, I just can't. Yes, yeah, I'm just kinda like, you know, like like I said, I probably probably like the pictures. Like some of y'all are doing whole eight counts down my timeline. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, cute. it's real cute. But I'm gonna need you to go sit down. Go sit down, y'all. Like it's not the time or the place. I just want to go outside without a mask on. So please sit it. Sit down. But, you know, I feel like I don't really mind masks, especially around strangers, because I'm definitely of the breed of like I was letting people breathe on me. And true. <laughs> I, like, Girl, I went to go get some juice last night from the store, like yesterday evening. And there was this man. Now, mind you, in the state of Virginia, it is a mandate that every, um, like, anytime you go in a public place or business, you have to have a mask on. And this older white gentleman did not have a mask on. And I started to go snitch on him. <laughs> but, girl, when I tell you, I turned down that aisle and I ran out of it real quick because I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, you're not breathing on me. Right. So I got an oil change the other week and um nobody in there had on a face covering not even the people working and so then you know how they send surveys after like how's your visit because I've been going to that place for years and um I said you know I was really unsatisfied with a couple of things and then they're like oh no what happened and I gave them my full list and I said you know like people weren't um, wearing face coverings, there's no markings for social distancing, like none of that stuff. No reply. They're like, oh, she's one of them. So mm. I said, whatever. These people out here wilding. Y'all wilding, but you know what? I'm, hey, I, I will be fully masked up. I freak out like every time I come inside <laughs> from like going to the store somewhere. So, like, I just don't see how people are doing it. But I'm just going to politely ask y'all to sit down. I'm not going to send you to the principal's office. I just want to give you a warning and tell you to sit down. That's all. Sit down, please. Sit down. Um, but yeah, girl, I guess to wrap up for today, um, I just have some suggestions for the people. Um, I definitely think you guys should watch 90 Day Fiance. Um, if you want something to take your mind off of the foolishness and mayhem in the dumpster fire, that is everything that's going on in the world. Go watch 90 Day Fiance. Go do that. Um, and then after you finish that, okay, go watch Mary, Mary Millions. I that's- thought you were going to say Mary at first sight. 
oh, well, you know, we ought to finish that now. Um, but go watch uh, Marrying Millions. That's a that's a good little interesting watch, too. It comes on after me at first sight, and I always turn, but I feel like I should. Girl, go watch it. Mm-hmm. Go watch it, girl. And if you like a good rom-com, Emily in Paris is kind of cute on Netflix. Oh, it was? Okay, so now that we're talking about Netflix shows, now that we're gone there, um, I also suggest that you guys watch Death You. That was actually really good on Netflix. Mm. You. It's only eight episodes. They're like 20 minutes a piece, but Aww. the tea was piping hot and I learned a lot about like the ASL and the hearing impaired community. So, yeah. Hmm. I have to check it out. Mm-hmm. And, um, a good, a, I can't tell, a good memoir I just finished reading, even though it's been out for at least a couple years is uh, Gabrielle Union's memoir. Okay. I enjoyed it. It was a light, cute read. I'm still working on The Vanishing Half right now. So oh, I've heard great things about that. It is really good. I just have like a lot of reading and things going on like for school. So it's like I read it when I can. Because uh, you're trying to become a doctor and all that. A doctor, yeah. Trying to do that. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, like, girl, can you believe I only have one more month left of coursework, and then I will be one of those people that's, like, just working on their dissertation? Isn't that crazy? No. That's crazy. But So, you should make your parents call you Dr. Mail and all of that. No, that's... I told my parents, if I ever get one, y'all are gonna have to call me Dr. Liz. Do you know who my parents... (laughs) 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 but um a book that my friend got me that i do want to start reading is becoming mariah carey or not becoming mariah carey mariah carey's memoir i don't know i just got it and it's across the room but anyway the mariah carey memoir i'm gonna i'm looking up the name of it now the meaning of Mariah Carey. Oh, Lord. I'm going to call it. The- that's juicy. I'm going to read hers. Too. Yes. And I'm so ready to read it because I don't know if the people know, but I am a lamb. Okay. Like, Are I'm- you? I, I did not know that. Yes, girl. I'm a full-fledged lamb. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before, you know, I even was thinking about a beehive, I was a lamb. Wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we've given you many suggestions to watch, read, um, just to escape this life that we call 2020. Can I give y'all one more suggestion of something to listen to? Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not a huge fan of his, but this new album with Trey Songs. Really? Yes, girl. Mm -hmm. Get into that. He got some little bangers on there. He's been slightly problematic. Um, he has. And I haven't heard anything else about that issue that like came up. You remember like those allegations and they kind of just like went away? Yeah, so. I don't know. But the album is good nonetheless. So um, I was surprised. I was shocked actually. And then also like Janae Iko has a song called Vote that came on that episode of Blackish. Um, 
and it's a banger. It's only a minute and a half long, and I feel a way about it. But you know, if you're trying to get in the voting mood, you know what I'm saying? Like, go ahead and turn that on. All right, y'all. So we will be back next week. We hope that you tune in. We know this episode is a little long, but if you made it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> you can. I mean, you can listen to us while you're waiting in line at the polls. Oh yeah. Yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. We will chat later. Bye. Bye.